0: Chapter 19 of The Shadow of a Sin by Bertha M. Clay. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter 19
1: Good night, Hyacinth.
0: Lady Vaughan said, when half an hour afterward the girl went to her with a white face and cold, rigid lips.
1: "'Good-night. I hope to see you something like yourself to-morrow. You do not seem well.'
0: And for the last time Hyacinth Vaughan kissed the fair stately old face. "'To-morrow. Ah, where would she be to-morrow?'
2: "'You have been very kind to me,'
0: she murmured,
2: "'and I am not ungrateful.'
0: Afterward Lady Vaughan understood why the girl lingered near her, why she kissed the withered wrinkled hands with such passionate tenderness why her lips opened as if she would fain speak and then closed mutely she thought of hyacinth's strange manner for several minutes after the young girl had quitted the room
1: that terrible news shocked her she is very sensitive and very tender-hearted the vaughns are all the same i am heartily glad she is to marry adrian He is gentle enough to understand and firm enough to manage her. I shall have no more anxiety about the child.
0: Hyacinth had looked her last on them, and had spoken to them for the last time. She stood in her room now, waiting until there should be a chance of leaving the hotel unnoticed. Then it suddenly struck her how great would be the consternation of the morrow, when she was missed. What would Adrian do or say, he who loved her so dearly? She went to her little desk and wrote a note to him. She addressed it and left it on the toilet table of her room. Then she went quietly downstairs. No one was about. She opened the great hall door and went out. Some few people still lingered in the grounds. She was not noticed. She walked down the long carriage drive and then stood in the street of the little town alone. She found her way to the station a great despairing cry was rising from her heart to her lips, but she stifled it. A faint, strange sensation, as though life were leaving her, came over her. She nerved herself.
2: I must live until he is free,
0: she said, with stern determination.
2: Then death will be welcome.
0: They were no idle words that she spoke. All that life held brightest, dearest and best was past for her. Her only hope was that she might reach Lodestone in time to save Claude. She knew how soon she would be missed, and how easily she might be tracked. Suppose that they sent or went to her room and found it empty, and then made inquiries and learned that she had taken a ticket for Ostend. They could not overtake the train, but they could telegraph to Ostend and stop her. In that case she would be too late to save Claude. The station was full of people. She saw a lad among them. He seemed to be about fifteen, and she went up to him.
2: "'Are you going to Ostend?' she asked.
0: He doffed his hat and bowed. "'I am going by this train,' he replied. "'Can I be
1: of any service to the
0: Fraulein?'
2: "'I am always nervous in a crowd,' she said. "'Will you buy my ticket?'
0: He took the money. He could not see her face, for it was veiled.' but he could distinguish its white, rigid mystery, and, full of wonder, he complied with her request. In a short time he returned with the ticket. "'Can I do anything else for you, Frulein? he asked. "'No,' she replied, thanking him. And all the way to Ostend, the lad mused over the half-hidden beauty of that face and the dreary tones of the sad young voice. "'There is some mystery,' he said, and afterward, when he had read the papers, he knew what the mystery was. She was safely seated in the furthest corner of a second-class carriage at last, her heart beating so that each throb seemed to send a thrill of fiery pain through her. Would she be in time? The train was an express, and was considered an unusually fast one, but it seemed slow to her, so slow. Her heart beat fast, and her pulse throbbed quickly her face burned as with a flaming fire
2: what shall i do
0: she thought with a terrified face
2: if i fall ill and cannot save him suppose my brain is on fire now suppose it becomes worse and when the train stops i have no sense left to speak they will try him they will sentence him to death before i arrive he will perhaps be dead when i am able to speak what shall i do
0: and the dread so overpowered her "'that she cried aloud in her anguish. "'Are you ill?' asked a fellow traveller kindly.
2: "'No, I was dreaming,'
0: she replied hurriedly. "'She pressed her hand on her hot brow. "'She tried to still the quick nervous beating of her heart, "'but all was in vain. "'The night was hot. "'The atmosphere seemed overcharged with electricity. "'There was not a breath of air stirring. "'The noisy clang of the wheels seemed to pierce her brain. "'A sound as of rushing torrents, filled her ears. She tried to calm herself, to steady those quivering nerves, to remember what she would have to say in a short time, when she would be standing before a tribunal of justice to save Claude's life. She tried and failed in the effort. She broke down and laughed a strange, unnatural laugh. The noise of the train drowned it. The monotonous clangour of the wheels dulled all other sounds. The next minute... The overstrained nerves, the overtaxed brain had given way and she fell into a deep, dreamless sleep. The train drew near to Ostend and those who loved her had not discovered Hyacinth's flight. Lady Vaughan wondered she did not come down as usual to breakfast. Pincott went to see if she was up. She tapped at the door, there was no answer and the maid went to tell her lady.
1: I am most glad,
0: said Lady Vaughan.
1: She looked very ill last night. She is sleeping. Do not awaken her, Pincott.
0: But when noon came and Hyacinth had not rung, Pincott went to her room again. She opened the door this time and walked in. The room was empty. The bed had not been slept in, and there was no trace of Miss Vaughan. The woman turned quite white and sunk half-fainting on a chair. She was frightened. "'Presently recovering herself a little, she looked round.
1: "'How foolish I am!'
0: she thought.
1: "'Miss Vaughan must have gone down unknown to me, "'and her room has been a- arranged.'
0: "'Still she
1: trembled with a
0: strange presentiment of dread. "'Suddenly her eyes fell upon the note addressed to Mr. Darcy. "'It was sealed.
1: "'There could be no harm in my giving him this,'
0: she said. "'She went downstairs and made inquiries about Miss Vaughan. No one had seen her, she could hear nothing of her. Then Pincott went to her lady. It so happened that Mr. Darcy was chatting with her.
1: What do you say?
0: interrupted Lady Vaughan sharply.
1: You cannot find Miss Vaughan. Pray use your common sense, Pincott. Do not say such absurd things. But
0: Adrian had caught sight of the note in the maid's hand. What is this? he asked.
1: I found it in Miss Vaughan's room, sir,
0: said Pincott
1: it is addressed to you
0: he took it from her and opened it as he read a deadly pallor came over his face great heaven he cried what can this mean lady vaughan asked what had happened he passed the note to her and she read
2: i have looked at you and have spoken to you for the last time adrian i am going away and i shall never see any of you again you will try to comfort lady vaughan pray heaven my sin and my disgrace may not kill her you will find out from the newspapers what I have gone to do. And, oh, my lost dear love, when you read this, be merciful to me. I was so young, and I longed so for some of the brightness of life. I never loved him, and as you will see, I repented. Ah, me, so sorely, before half the journey was accomplished. I have never loved any one but you, and that I have lost you is more bitter than death. Many people have died from less suffering than that which I am undergoing now. Oh, Adrian! I do not think I deserve this terrible punishment. I did not mean to do anything wrong. I do not ask you to forgive me. I know you never can. You will fling off all thought of me as of one unworthy. I told you I was unworthy. But I—oh, Adrian, I shall love you till I die. All my thoughts will be of you. And I pray to heaven that I may die when I have achieved what I am going to do. Living, you must loathe me. Dead, you will pity me. Adrian, i have written your name here i have wept hot bitter tears over it i have kissed it and now i must part from you my heart's own love farewell for ever and ever hyacinth what does it all mean
0: he cried great drops of anguish gathering on his brow where is the child what has she done
1: i do not know
0: said lady vaughan
1: i cannot understand it adrian she has done nothing what can she have done all her life has been passed with me
2: i shall see in the
0: newspapers what she has done she says what can she mean a sudden light seemed to break in upon him he turned to lady vaughan rely upon it he said it is some fancy of hers about that murder i shall not lose a moment i shall go in search of her end of chapter nineteen